Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jimmy. And we're the Talk to the Hand podcast. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, Beth. How are you doing? I'm really good. It's been a busy week this week, hasn't it? It has, it has. It's nice to sort of step away from it all to do the podcast this week. And to rewind to the 90s. Always good to rewind to the 90s. We've got an interesting topic this week. Now, quite often, when you look back to the 90s, it's not particularly broadcasters that grab your attention and that you you remember, but this person was so instrumental in the 90s, around the Britpop era, around a lot of the television programs that were quite happening at the time and that sounds quite 90s even worse (laughs) we're going to be talking about chris evans chris evans now uh, i have to say to you before he did annoy me a bit in the 90s because he was always there and you were quite loud you you had a much more conservative appreciation for broadcasters i think i did yes like you were more of a bbc child yeah and i was more of an itv child but yeah we're going to talk about chris evans really interesting life We'll talk about some of his personal relationships, some of his business activities, and some of the other things that you'll remember being tabloid headlines in the 90s. For now, let's rewind to the 90s. Christopher James Evans was born on April the 1st, 1966 in Warrington, Cheshire. Evans was the youngest child of wages clerk Martin and corner shop worker Minnie. Growing up, Evans displayed an early fascination with the world of broadcasting and entertainment. His childhood was marked by a keen interest in radio and television, and he often played with a makeshift toy microphone, mimicking the voices of his favourite broadcasters. Evans spent his formative years in Warrington, where he attended Botlow Grammar School. He was bullied mercifully with his red hair, slight build and spectacles. Despite this, his charisma and passion for performance were evident. As a teenager, he began his journey into broadcasting by setting up a pirate radio station in his family's home, providing an early indication of the future career that waited for him. I love that. (laughs) It's pirate radio. He got straight into it. (laughs) When he was just 13 years old, Chris's father, Martin, died of colon cancer, leaving the teenager inconsolable and too distraught to attend the funeral. The radio empresario has since described his father's death as the shotgun that started the race, saying... I was hell-bent on making a success of myself. The journey began with a part-time job at newsagent and also running a tuck shop at Padgate High School, which is where he completed the last three years of his secondary education. He went to the sixth form and followed that with a number of random jobs in the local area. So some of the jobs he had were, one was at a private detective agency, <laughs> and the other one was a Tarzanogram. So that, these were the guys that would dress up as yeah. Tarzan with a balloon in front of their bits yes, and go yeah. and do stripper-gram kind yes, of stuff in yeah. the pub. So Chris Evans used to do that. 16 years after, or after leaving secondary school. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> he really got into some strange situations where some of the ladies would invite him back and mm. that kind of stuff. Mm. But his interest in girls actually started much earlier than that. So like any typical 14-year-old boy, Evans yearned to explore the mysteries of the female form. However, he couldn't help but notice that the most attractive girls typically favoured older, more mature-looking boyfriends. Definitely not red-haired, freckle-faced teens like himself. (laughs) During a lunch break at Thomas Butler Grammar School in Warrington, Evans devised a solution. And this is according to his childhood friend, Johnny. Chris concluded that the 16-year-old guy successfully dating nice girls all had spots. So he thought that was the thing. So in pursuit of this weird strategy, Evans and his friends engaged in amusing antics such as rubbing their chins with matchboxes to get spots. Oh my God. 
And while they thought it was a clever approach, sadly, it never produced the desired results. While these early experiments showcased Chris's inventive spirit, they couldn't match the effectiveness of his unique charm and individuality when it came to winning over the opposite sex. From his mid-teens, Evans dated an enviable string of sought-after girls. His friends couldn't understand why any female would fancy this bespectacled, ginger-topped geek above them. He just kept it simple, focusing on original chat lines and making them laugh. Unsurprisingly, given the way he'd been mistreated and bullied by boys, he preferred their company and certainly trusted them more, and they were in turn seduced. Evans has a daughter, Jade, born in 1986 by former fiancé Alison Ward. And he kept this quiet for a while, didn't he, after becoming famous. It was something that was released in the press much, much later. Yeah. But it was something that there's not too much written about. Oh, OK. So back to his time as a Tozanogram. The Kissagram business gave Chris an invaluable grounding as a performer and the chance to meet and be fondled by yet more women. Before each appointment, Chris bought half a pound of plump pork sausages and some shaving foam. The cream-smeared sausage was stuffed down his loincloth. Female victims were blindfolded and invited to let their hands wander lower and lower. The squeals of shock said the rest. Some nights, Chris would have a long balloon tied around his waist and the women would be guided into the position to lick off the cream. Being naked never worried Chris, as demonstrated by the time he revealed his private parts to a shocked teacher in geography class. In fact... Friends say Chris used to be fascinated with nakedness. I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but some of the stuff he did later on in his career would be taken quite differently today. Mm. So while he was on TFI Friday, Fiona Cotter Craig was on the team and she recalls being subjected to Chris Evans flashing. She says that he went up to her and said, I bet you haven't seen one of those in a long while. She replied, for God's sake, put it away and walked off. She continued by saying, Chris thinks his manhood is fantastic, but actually it's tragic, hideous. It wasn't a great moment in my life. One woman who worked on the Big Breakfast says, we got flashed all the time. In other workplaces, it would be classed as sexual harassment. It's true. It would it's be true. now. I mean, that's completely unacceptable. Yeah, it, and to be, he thinks it's funny and a joke and doing it all the time. And I think sometimes people who have the presenting style, creative style that he has, which is, there's a bit of shock and a don't care, do whatever. To him at the time, it would have been just part of the culture with it that he was creating within the companies he worked yeah. with. Yeah, he would have just felt it was a bit cheeky. Yeah, but the girls clearly didn't. Mm. And even when you look back to the lady Fiona Cotter Craig and she says it wasn't a great moment in my life. Some of the people would have been taken by Chris Evans, but some people wouldn't have. And you mm. earlier on talked about how he wasn't someone you really admired and looked up to in the 90s kind of mm. thing. But actually, if you didn't have a taste for Chris Evans, to have him come and flashing himself at you would have probably been quite disturbing. He would have done it, yeah. But even if you were one of his fans and really liked working with him, that's still costing a lot. I suppose if you look at the Russell Brand thing, a lot yeah. of those people were fans of his and yeah, yeah, found just... some of his actions inappropriate. Mm. Back to his career, his big break came in the shape of former children's TV presenter Timmy Mallet who offered Chris a job as assistant on his Piccadilly radio show in Manchester, where he'd previously done unpaid schoolboy work. Mm. So Timmy Mallet is responsible for the emerging Chris Evans. Every Chris Evans, I can get that, I know. <laughs> in 1984, Evans made the transition to full-time position at the station, where his new responsibilities included cruising around the Manchester area in the radio car, making surprise visits to listeners' homes. Additionally, he served as the producer for presenter James H. Reeve, Subsequently, Evans took on the role of presenting a weekday graveyard slot featuring competitions and segments that provided listeners with the opportunity to showcase and sell their belongings on air. 
Following his stint as a producer on Richard Branson's service, the Superstation, where he worked on material for Jonathan Ross, Evans joined the newly launched BBC Greater London Radio. Initially, he worked as a producer on Emma Ford's mid-morning show and later on Weekend Breakfast with Danny Baker. Despite receiving an offer for a producer position at BBC Radio 1 due to his success on both shows, Evans decided to remain at GLR. Station controller Matthew Bannister provided him with the chance to host his own show, taking over Saturday afternoons in early 1990. Three months later, he began presenting The Greenhouse, which was a Monday to Thursday evening show, and that was a position he held until the end of that year. In early 91, Evans made a move to TV, hosting with his first regular gig presenting the Power Up Breakfast show on the power station for British Satellite Broadcasting. This led to his role as the host of Round at Chris's, a Saturday morning show airing from 10 till 1, which he continued to helm until April 93. And that same year, Evans married loose woman Carol McGiffin. Their 1993 breakup was not as amicable, and the two divorced in 98. She's had a lot to say about him, but one thing she did say which stuck out to me when I was doing the research was, he's never satisfied. He believes that happiness lies just around the corner, but he's never satisfied with his life. His ambition always seems to get in the way. And that was very interesting to me because a lot of successful people have that. They don't have that moment where they pat themselves on the back and reflect on the success they've had. It was always about the next goal, the next adventure. I mean, that's sad because it must be exhausting. It's exhausting, but I guess now, looking back on it, he'll have a bit more time to do that and a bit more pride in what he did. But back then, it was all about achieving the next goal. Mm. But if he didn't have that drive, would he have got to the stage he did get to? Probably not. So alongside his Saturday morning programme on GLR, Evans expanded his radio presence in 92 by taking on the role of presenting a Sunday afternoon show on BBC Radio 1, stepping in for Philip Schofield. His show named Too Much Gravy aired between 2.30 and 4 o'clock and concluded in September 1992. While his tenure at Radio 1 was brief, it garnered significant acclaim, prompting controller Johnny Beeling to later express regret that he hadn't immediately offered Evans a full-time position. Despite the success, Evans voiced objections at the time claiming that Radio 1 had attempted to limit his style by restricting the use of the zoo format, allegedly due to Steve Wright already employing it on the station. In April 93, Evans bid farewell to GLR and made a move to the newly established Virgin Radio, where he assumed the role of hosting a Saturday morning show. Part of Evans' exit from the radio scene was driven by his commitment to the new Channel 4 breakfast show, The Big Breakfast, debuting on 28th of September 92. Serving as co-host alongside Gabby Roslin, Evans immersed himself into the television venture. The Big Breakfast was a live show that every weekday for two hours would feature a lively mix of interviews, news, cartoons and lots more. The show came from a big house in Bow and was produced by Bob Geldof's production company, Planet 24. And that house was actually a real house. It was three converted lock keepers cottages in East London. So it wasn't a typical TV studio and it kind of added to the cramped, chaotic yeah. atmosphere of the show. So a real family would join the programme each week and Keith Chedwin or Richard Orford spent mornings interviewing motorists in traffic jams and knocking the doors on families for down your doorstep. And Paula Yates was also involved. She welcomed celebrities into her boudoir and discussed fashion and other issues on her bed. And that role was later assumed by Lily Savage and Vanessa Feltz, among Mm -hmm. others. Did you watch The Big Breakfast? I did, yeah. What did you think of it? So again, because it was Chris Evans who annoyed me, but I liked all the others. I remember Paula Yates on the bed with the guests. 
um, and Gabby Rosling I used to like, and I did l- used to like that sort of mix because they were around the house. And I think if we were comparing Breakfast. it to anything at the time, this is 92, I would have been 12, you would have been 11. Yeah. The Breakfast shows that preceded it were all quite dry. Yeah. The TVAM and, and yeah. Nick Frost and Ann Diamonds yeah, and yeah. Fitness with Lizzie and yeah, all of yeah, that yeah, sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. It was quite dry. It was aimed mm. at a much older audience, whereas mm. The Big Breakfast actually had a freshness about it. Yes, yeah. After concluding his stint on The Big Breakfast in September 94, Evans took a significant career turn by establishing his own television production company, Ginger Productions. The company's inaugural major programme, Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, aired between 94 and 95 and proved to be a considerable success. The show's original concepts became a lucrative venture for Evans as its format was sold to numerous international broadcasters. In April 95, Evans made a return to radio as host of the flagship Radio One Breakfast Show, Negotiating a unique clause in his contract, Evans secured the flexibility to continue making television programmes, specifically reserving the option to create a Friday night programme on Channel 4. Another stipulation mandated that the breakfast show would be independently produced by Evans Ginger Media Company, rather than the in-house BBC Radio. So a lot of people that would make that kind of change would do put that stipulation in for the financial benefit. Whereas I genuinely believe Chris Evans was doing it because he wanted control of the programme's format. Yes, yeah, so he could do his own thing. So he, he could, could do his own yeah, thing. Yeah. Given the freedom to implement the zoo format he'd previously been restricted from on Radio 1, Evans enjoyed creative liberty under the guidance of his friend, the station's controller, Matthew Bannister. Despite criticisms of innuendo-laden features like honk your horn and in bed with your girlfriend, Evans drew in an additional 600,000 listeners compared to Steve Wright one for every £5 spent on salary and advertising. The controversial content, including episodes where he seemingly humiliated assistant Holly Samos and orchestrated a strip show on live radio, contributed to the show's peak audience of 7.5 million. I never listened to it. No, not his radio show. But again, it just shows he's out there, isn't he? He is. He's willing to to do that. but. And I don't know quite what he did to humiliate Holly Mm. Samos. To be honest, I don't even know who Holly Samos is, but I'm sure it wasn't great. But parallel to his radio success, Evans began producing editions of Channel 4's TFI Friday from 1996. So the show was devised, produced and hosted by Evans through his Ginger Media company. The show mirrored the successful formula of his radio programme and initially enjoyed considerable success. It was a good way to start the weekend and it quickly defined the era of that part of the 90s as it featured a mixture of music with several of the biggest bands of the time performing live. And the show was really closely associated with the Britpop era, along with lots of star guests that were interviewed by Evans. Do you remember them having to, when the interviews, it would be in the, almost a bit like the boom cupboard. Yes. It, it was the bar, wasn't it? But he had his little desk, but they'd have to walk up the staircase to all the people. But it felt like it was something that was happening at a pub or a club yeah, or a lively yeah, pub, probably, yeah. more, more likely. With all the, did you, you didn't know anyone that got in there? Because it must have been an well, audience. Well, someone we know, their dad was the Irish guy oh, yeah. behind the bar. Behind the bar. However, as both shows reached their zenith and Evans faced the strain of high-profile relationships and publicised nights out with friends Danny Baker and Paul Gascoigne, a recurring pattern emerged. Abundant enthusiasm at the start, giving way to boredom and shiftlessness. And that whole period with Danny Baker and Paul Gascoigne was massive because as much as I enjoyed TFI Friday and The Big Breakfast, I would say the thing I most remember about the 90s with Chris Evans was that. Now, obviously, I was a football fan at the time and Paul Gascoigne... 
in London, mm. out drinking. So it was regularly on the front pages, the three of them together drinking. Yeah. And comes back to what Carol McGuffin said about him never happy, never Absolutely. satisfied. Always looking at the next thing. He's bored now. He's, yeah. So a clash with Radio 1 management arose in December 95 when Evans, after a 17-hour pub crawl ending just two hours before airtime, was fined one day's pay, which was £7,000. Subsequent investigations into numerous complaints against the show in 96 did little to temper Evans' public demands on Radio 1 management. After a tumultuous period that included a tasteless joke about Anne Frank and derogatory comments about Bannister, Evans claimed medical unfitness and negotiated an increased holiday period. His turbulent tenure concluded in January 97, when Evans quit after his request not to host the Friday show was denied. He later said, I was stupid, no doubt about that, I was ungrateful. I had this brilliant career and I messed it up. So he was looking to take the Friday off as well. They said no, so he was like, right, I'm off. It was while he was on holiday in Ireland, he listened to the radio and discovered Irish broadcaster Jerry Ryan. Evans credits the variety on Ryan's show as the inspiration that reignited his own interest in radio. Subsequently, Virgin Radio enlisted Evans to host this breakfast show, resulting in an immediate spike in station listening figures from 1.8 million to 2.6 million. His inaugural show took place on October the 13th, 1997, coinciding with Kevin Greening and Zoe Ball's debut on Radio 1. The crew presented the show Monday to Friday, but excluded Evans on the Friday. So he eventually got that thing that he wanted. Every time we look at something that he's gone on to do in radio, he he gets there, the listeners rock it up. Wouldn't it be great if he could come onto the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) As Richard Branson sought to reduce his media holdings, discussions emerged to sell Virgin Radio to Capital Radio, a prospect Evans was very opposed to, publicly dismissing them as, as a bleating, blowing, asthmatic dog. On December the 9th, with support from investors, Evans' Ginger Media Group acquired Virgin Radio from Branson for £85 million, providing control over Ginger Productions and Virgin Radio. Apex Partners and Branson each held 20% of Ginger Media Group, with Evans and his investors holding the remaining 60%. On 14th of March 2000, Evans agreed the sale of Ginger Media Group to the Scottish Media Group for £225 million. He made a fortune. Mm, he did. The sale made Evans the highest paid entertainer in the UK, estimated by the Sunday Times list to have been paid around £35.5 million. Following the poor reviews of TFI Friday and Evans himself handing over presentation of the last series to a series of friends, the show was cancelled in December 2000. So up to now, Evans had well-publicised relationships with people like Kim Wilde, uh, the model Rachel Tasson-Brown, assistant producer Susie Aplin, Anthea Turner. Surprised about that one. I didn't know that one. Jerry Halliwell and Melanie Sykes. But possibly the most famous of his relationships was about to happen. In May 2000, Evans met teenage pop star Billy Piper, who he dated for a while. As a present to him, she proposed on his 35th birthday and the couple married in a £200 ceremony at the Little Church of West in Las Vegas, Nevada on the 6th of May 2001. And the ceremony was attended by six guests, including his best man, Danny Baker. Following a decline in audience figures and changes made by Virgin Radio's new programme controller, Paul Jackson, Evans faced tabloid scrutiny on June the 20th for an 18-hour bender after his morning show, culminating in him asleep at Stringfellows. Later that week, photographed with new wife Billy Piper while claiming illness, he was dismissed on June the 28th, 2001 for persistent failure to show up for work, 
Steve Penk replaced Evans, and Evans actually criticised Penk quite a lot after that, saying he was too old. For his lively show, yeah. There wasn't that much of an age gap between them, though. No. I think it was like four or five years. But Evans would think that there was. Yeah. yeah. So Evans sought legal action against Virgin Radio, alleging unfair dismissal and the denial of share options valued at £8.6 However, Justice Lightman ruled in favour of Virgin Radio and SMG, stating that Evans had been fairly dismissed and was not entitled to the share options. The judge criticised Evans for his attitude, describing him as having the temperament of a prima donna. In the countersuit, Evans was ordered to pay one million towards Virgin Radio and SMG's legal costs. In his autobiography, Evans reveals that after the sale of Virgin Radio, he was offered £56 million for his SMG shares by Goldman Sachs, an offer he declined eventually selling them for £250,000. I bet he regretted that. that. Yeah, he did. That was I mean, that is huge. So yeah. he lost out, essentially, on £55.75 million. Pounds. Yeah. Wow. In August 2002, Evans was a member of the crew aboard the sailing yacht Northica with six other people when James Ward, landlord of the White Horse in Hascombe, Surrey, which was then Evans' local pub, drowned in an accident in the Solent. I mean, obviously, he wasn't responsible for it. It was just something tragic that happened when he was there. Yeah, yeah. That very month, Evans established UMTV, a radio and television production company with a focus on delivering live, cutting-edge entertainment. Over the subsequent three years, UMTV produced more than 375 hours of television with varying degrees of success. Among the TV shows produced were Boys and Girls, hosted by Vernon Kay, Johnny Vegas, 18 Stone of Idiot, and OFI Sunday for ITV. He also did Live with Christian O'Connell and Live with Chris Moyles for five and the BAFTA award-winning School of Hard Knocks for four learning. After two of the notable shows struggled to garner high ratings, UMTV enlisted Terry Wogan and Evans' former breakfast co-host Gabby Roslin to host a weekday morning magazine show called The Terry and Gabby Show. I remember yeah, they did that. I do that. remember that, yeah. I don't remember knowing that Chris Evans was behind no, it. No, no. Evans publicly stated that if this venture failed, he would resort to setting up a market stall. The show failed to attract a substantial audience, leading Channel 5 to cancel it after a year due to its high production cost. True to his word, Evans was photographed at the conclusion of the final <laughs> show with a market store, and subsequently he opened a real one at the Stables Market in Camden. Ah, love that place. Yeah, that is lovely. We do love Camden, don't we? We should go. We haven't been there for years. Well, I lived at one point soon after we met, actually quite close to it. Mm, we've been there all the time. We love walking around there and... The atmosphere and the vibe around there was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Although it's not quite the same now, like everything else, it's not as good as it was in the 90s. <laughs> in 2005, it was confirmed that Evans and Piper would divorce, with Piper publicly stating that she would take no money from Evans. Almost three years after they had separated, Evans and Piper divorced in May 2007. Looking back at the marriage, Piper said, I'm really happy I did that, even though it didn't work out because I've made a best friend for life. I have that? so much respect for her, yeah. the way she came out of that, didn't get all litigious, yeah. was very, very, well, just had a lot of dignity about yeah. the whole relationship. And look, if my daughter came home with a, a man mm. with the same kind of age gap, I would be seriously unhappy. But somehow when I look at them, I kind of feel, well, good luck to them. It didn't seem to do any of them any major harm. Any it was an important no. part of their lives. And she made a best friend for life. Yeah. That's nice. Earlier that same year, Chris Evans re-emerged into the public sphere by hosting the breakfast slot for UK Radio Aid's programming dedicated to the victims of the Asian tsunami. This special broadcast aired across most of the UK's commercial radio stations. 
Additionally, Evans took on the role of presenting the Brit Awards in both 2005 and 2006, so he was still relevant. Yeah. Transitioning to a more permanent role, Evans officially joined Radio 2 in September 2005, where he helmed a weekly Saturday afternoon show. During his first show, Evans informed listeners, we've had a couple of test drives over the summer and we've decided to take it. Yes, we like this vehicle. The show garnered positive feedback from listeners and critics, leading to him being revealed as the successor to Radio 2's Drive Time show on March 2nd, 2006. He took over from longtime host Johnny Walker and for the first time seemed to decrease the audience, so he had 150,000 fewer listeners than his predecessor's last show. That must have shocked him. It must have done. Not what he was used to. But the subsequent figures released in October 2006 actually showed that he had a year-on-year increase of 109,000 listeners. So although the first show didn't perform extremely well, mm. over time he did manage to beat the numbers Johnny Walker was getting. Evans met professional golfer and part-time model Natasha Shishmanian when they became golf partners in the All-Star Cup Celebrity Tournament in Newport. The pair married in August 2007 and held a reception in Portugal the following weekend that was attended by Evans' former wife, Piper. The couple have four children and live in Ascot, Berkshire. I can tell you something I remember about this. So you know the where he met her at the All-Star Cup yeah, Celebrity yeah. Golf Tournament. Yeah. He had a really good round. I think he might have won some... He won something about the way he played golf, but he did so well that I think he got a watch for £10,000. Oh, yeah. And he gave it to the little caddy who'd oh. kind of handed him the clubs around yeah. the course. He just gave it to him. Or her. I can't that's remember. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. On September the 7th, 2009, it was announced that Evans would assume the breakfast show from Terry Wogan after Sir Terry expressed his intention to depart at the end of the year. Chris Evans took that role on, on January the 11th, 2010. Now, we're going to jump forward a little bit now to June 2015 when the BBC announced that Evans had signed a three-year deal to be the main presenter on the BBC Two motoring show Top Gear following the departure of Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond and James May. Didn't do so well in this no. one. The ratings plummeted and the presenter was actually forced to apologise for an ill-advised stunt filmed around Britain's monument to the war dead. In 2016, it was reported that fellow presenter... Matt LeBlanc. Joey... He threatened to quit the show unless Evans was fired because of the inappropriate behaviour on set. So even after his, the success he's had, married again, four children, he's still been a bit inappropriate. I was surprised. I thought maybe that was an age thing and he'd grown up a bit. Well, one source alleged that Evans had become jealous of the attention the other presenters were getting and he'd become a bit distant from the group. And I guess with Evans, he's always been the main guy among the radio shows and the TV shows he's done. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually... You're not going to be the main guy next to Joey from Friends. Mm. (laughs) You're not. So Evans announced he'd step down as presenter of the show and cut his contract short by two years. Throughout the duration of the new series, he'd actually received quite a lot of criticism about his presenting style. That same year, his daughter Jade, and this was the secret daughter he had. Yeah, the secret daughter from the 80s, yeah. She gave birth to a boy, so Chris Evans became a grandfather. On September the 3rd, uh, 2018, Evans announced his departure from Radio 2 Breakfast Show, revealing that he would be leaving the show and the station in December to join Virgin Radio. Along with seeking a new challenge, the release of salaries exceeding 150,000 at the BBC had contributed to Evans' decision to leave. A month later, Evans confirmed on air that Zoe Ball would be his replacement on the show starting in January 2019. The show officially concluded on December the 24th, 2018, and Evans transitioned to Virgin Radio, bringing along most of his Radio 2 team with him. 
After achieving success in the 1990s, Chris Evans encountered a mixed record in his attempts at a TV comeback in the 21st century, marked by poor ratings and cancellations. This included a decline in viewing figures for his recent role as the co-host of Friday editions of The One Show. In the months of November and December 2005, Evans hosted OFI Sunday on ITV. Notably, his ex-wife Billy Piper was the first guest of the programme. Unfortunately, OFI Sunday faced an early demise, being cancelled after just five shows due to unfavourable reviews and low, low viewing figures. The cancellation prompted Evans to express his frustration on air during his Saturday Radio 2 slot, where he admitted to feeling uncertain about achieving any further success on television. On 21st of August 2023, Evans actually revealed he was being treated for melanoma, but has since announced he's cancer-free. From his early days in radio to his groundbreaking success with shows like The Big Breakfast and TFI Friday, Evans consistently pushed boundaries and redefined the landscape of British broadcasting. His ability to connect with audiences through his charismatic on-air presence and creative ventures showcased his enduring influence on the media industry. Whether he's behind the mic, on the screen or even in the boardroom with ventures like Ginger Media Group, Evans has demonstrated an entrepreneurial spirit that extends far beyond the realms of traditional broadcasting. His journey underscores the importance of embracing change, taking risks and staying true to one's unique vision. And that is the story of Chris Evans. He has done us so much. So much. He must have been going 100 miles an hour. Yeah, he would have been he a nightmare yeah, to live with. Oh Do you reckon God. he's one of these people that annoy me that sort of sits there tapping yeah. when he's got oh, nothing to do? Oh, he'd be tapping with the pen. Oh, that would kill Whistling, me. I bet he whistles. Oh. <laughs> But he has done an awful lot and he's made a lot of money. And something we didn't really mention, which in fairness we probably should do, is he has given an awful lot of money away to charity. He has. Like large, large, I'm talking millions and millions and millions of pounds. Mm. And that's what I mean. I think he was always driven by the goal of being on the edge, succeeding on radio, succeeding on television, yeah. rather than the financial the money. Deal. Yeah, he's never come across as someone that's quite greedy on the money side of it. And Which is interesting because work. Billy Piper never took any money no, off him. No. Where it was actually, he'd probably be one of the few celebrities that would have been like, oh, yeah, crack on. Take it, take it, yeah. I'm disappointed that there was still inappropriate behaviour. But there is a lad culture but, which yeah. he kind of grew up in and mm. made his fortune in. I think he's definitely Marmite. I think he's definitely yeah. Marmite. I actually quite like him. But some of the things he's done over the years, mm. you look back and you think... Well, one, definitely you wouldn't get away with it today. No. As no. clearly showed to be the case on Top Gear. Top Gear, yeah. But him thinking that he can, that's what's irritating. But he fair play up. to Matt LeBlanc. I know, I know. Because he always comes across as such a nice guy, but actually yeah. he's a guy that says, I don't think what that guy is doing is appropriate. Mm. If he doesn't go, I do. Mm. I think that's that shows yeah. a lot of integrity it does. there. It does, it does. Chris Evans, interesting life. Yeah. Love him or hate him, you probably have to say he did really well for himself. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Until next week, talk, talk to, to the, the hands. hands.